0: This series cannot be segmentable. You cannot compartmentalize this series. If you take one without the other, it can produce hate. I don't want you to do that. If you take another without the other, it can produce apathy. You gotta take them all together with the culmination as we talk about how are we then to go out and live in a world where the gods have returned. Today, today, today,
1: today, with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Hello, my name is Bill and welcome. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're continuing with the series, Under the Influence. Pastor Jeff says the series is about culture and society being under the influence of evil forces. We'll get straight into the message because Pastor Jeff resets the aim of this series and gives us a quick recap of some of the topics covered so far. And of course, if you're keen to catch up on the whole series, find all episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines. Here's Pastor Jeff now.
0: The whole series has been based on this idea on Ephesians 6, where we're told that the struggle that you and I are facing right now is not against flesh and blood. so. Our struggle is not with people. It's with what? Rulers, powers, world forces. And we broke that down. I can't do it again because of time, but we showed you how the apostle Paul gives us a sort of strata. It tells us that there's a hierarchy in the demonic world and they are very strategically organized and their whole purpose is to bring humanity down, to destroy what God loves most. We also talked about when the Judeo-Christian movement, when the Jesus movement, hit planet earth when Jesus came, that something beautiful happened. That as it spread throughout the Western world, that the Western world began to flourish. Because as you live by the precepts of Jesus, humanity just gets along better. Think about it, pray for those who persecute you. That's that's pretty awesome. Difficult, but awesome. Forgive those who've offended you. And so what we found is the structure of culture society and the family became stronger because of the Jesus movement. Families stayed together in the covenant of marriage. Sex was between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. God, the Bible, Jesus were respected, considered to be sacred. So when that happened, these ancient demonic forces were pushed and relegated to the fringes of society. They were still there. They were kinda underground in dark places, shameful places. However, we said that in the 60s, in America, secularism and paganism reached its critical mass. And as a result, the demonic forces that were relegated to the fringes by the Jesus movement have now returned. So we've talked about two gods that have returned. And I wonder sometimes, you know, Satan always try to, tries to counterfeit what God has done. So there's a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I wonder if there's a dark trinity, three gods that try to undo what the biblical trinity have tried to accomplish. Well, we know in ancient literature that we find three gods that dominate the ancient world and that take on different forms as culture develops. So we've talked about the god Baal who shows up, and basically what he does is try to turn our attention away from God, the pursuit of God, the pursuit of something God has created, materialism. So instead of worshiping God, we worship the blessings God has given us. So we turn our attention to money and wealth and power and those are the things that give us meaning and security. So when Baal leaves, he ushers in Ishtar. We spend a lot of time talking about Ishtar. Ishtar is the god of sex, illicit, of pornography of every form of sexual immorality that you can imagine. And we traced how in those ancient writings, those things have been around for a long time. And the purpose is, historically speaking, man gets weary of pleasure. It's an interesting thing. He has so much pleasure, he gets weary, so he's got to try something else. So he moves from worshiping stuff, materialism, to finding a way to worship one another. There's a great quote, and I think it's connected well with Ishtar or with the asterisk in the Old Testament, and it goes like this. Meaningless does not come from being weary of pain. Meaning comes from being weary of pleasure. Pleasure without God, without the sacred boundaries, will actually leave you emptier than before. In other words, when God goes, another God takes his place, and that God will create insatiable lusts without a way to fill them. Okay? Can't go back to that. We have the third and final God this weekend. This series cannot be segmentable. You cannot compartmentalize this series. If you take one without the other, it can produce hate. I don't want you to do that. If you take another without the other, it can produce apathy. You've got to take them all together together with the culmination next weekend as we talk about how are we then to go out and live in a world where the gods have returned so the third god is a god by the name of Molech. he's the ancient god associated with ishtar and baal you'll find him throughout ancient civilizations his title is the destroyer in first kings 11:7, then solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of moab on the hill that is east of jerusalem and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. In Leviticus 18, God, as he gives his law, says to his people, and you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire of Molech. So when King Josiah attempted to, let, to, to bring the people back to God, he knew that the first thing he would have to do is obliterate the altars of Molech. He knew that Yahweh and Molech cannot coexist so we're told in 2 Kings chapter 23, And he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or daughter pass through the fire of Molech. So this third god, what is the fire? Well, Molech is the spirit and god of child sacrifice. In the epic poem by John Milton, Paradise Lost, Milton writes this, First Molech, which is another name for Molech, Horrid king besmeared with blood of human sacrifice and parents' tears, though for the noise of drums and timbrels loud, their children's cries unheard that passed through fire to his grim idol. Winston Churchill used the figure of Molech to speak of the evil of Adolf Hitler. He said he, meaning Hitler, had conjured up the fearful idol of an all-devouring Moloch of which he was priest and incarnation. What is is, uh, Churchill saying? He's saying that Hitler was possessed by the spirit of Molech. So what, what was the worship of Molech like? And we don't have to guess. We find this among the Canaanites, the Greeks, the Romans, the Phoenicians, and their African colony, Carthage. And here's what Diodorus Siculus, the Greek historian, writes. There was in their city a bronze image of Cronus, extending its hands, palms up, and sloping toward the ground, so that each of the children, when placed thereon, rolled down and fell into a sort of gaping pit filled with fire. Now, why on earth would you want to murder or sacrifice your own children into the fires of Molech? And here's the answer. And it was happening in every, almost every culture, not just among the Amalekites, up until the Jesus movement. And the first reason was because the children were undesirable. If they were imperfect or blemished in some way, in fact, we've said before, until Jesus came along, Girls were not safe in the ancient world. They were the first to be sacrificed because they were seemed to be more of a liability rather than an asset in an agrarian society. The other reason that you would sacrifice your children in the fires of Molech is for the blessing of economic prosperity. A woman would be told that she would obtain the God's favor and her fills would be fruitful if she sacrificed her child in the fires of Molech. For future economic success. Now, you and I can't imagine people offering their newborn babies up in a fire. And that's because you've been impacted by the Judeo-Christian value. That's why. The Greek historian, Clytarchus, wrote for Alexander the Great. And here's what he said. Out of reverence for Cronus, the Phoenicians, and especially the Carthaginians, whenever they seek to obtain some great favor vow one of their children, burning it as a sacrifice to the deity if they are especially eager to gain success. Now listen, just as Baal ushers in Ishtar, remember what Baal does, he turns our attention away from God into the things God's created. Ishtar ushers in Molech. You say, in what way? Listen carefully. Ishtar ushers in unrestrained sex with no apparent concern with the ramifications. So in ancient times... Modern, actually, in modern times as well. But in ancient times, children were often the result of temple worship and sexual promiscuity. So in order to prevent a child born into this situation from hampering the mother or the father's economic life, the child then would be turned around and sacrificed back to Molech. So sexual immorality with Ishtar's temple, an unwanted child occurs with the prostitutes. And then you sacrifice the child to Molech for economic gain. In modern times, as the sexual revolution bore its fruit in the 60s and 70s, and it did bear its fruit, didn't it? More and more children were conceived out of marriage and were more likely to be unwanted and eradicated. Abortion rates skyrocketed in America in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Now, it makes sense why... Because those were the years following the sexual revolution. So children, unwanted, unplanned children, were produced from the sexual revolution. Right? Free sex. That actually wasn't free, it cost us immensely. And I'm gonna make a statement, it's gonna be very harsh. And like I said, you have to take all the sermons together. But abortion has become the modern day sacrifice to Moloch. Remember once again that the influence of the Jesus movement with the entrance of the gospel into the West. There was this inevitable clash or collision over the values of the sanctity of human life. So because of the Jesus movement, the value of women, the treatment of the weak, the care of the sick, and the worth and protection of children born and unborn, the gospel brought an end to inequality and infanticide in the Roman world. And as the Jesus movement spread like wildfire through the West, I had no idea until I'd done this research because I'd heard this verse, but I had no idea until I'd done this research the power of Psalm 139, the role that it played in the Jesus movement when it came to being concerned for the kids. Psalm 139, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Suddenly, the Jesus movement understood that even when we were in our mother's womb, we are alive and we are a gift of God and we are being shaped and formed and God knows the number of our days.
1: Amen.
0: It was the Christian faith and the biblical valuing of life that brought protection to the young and unborn children and the definitive end of large-scale murder. Now listen, as a result, it really shouldn't be any surprise that after renouncing Christianity, that the Soviet Union became the first state to legalize the killing of the unborn. And then in the case of of, uh, other, I guess you would call it demonically anti-Christian power, or the primary demonically un-Christian power, In our time, the 20th century, Nazi Germany, the killing of the unborn had more to do with the genocide of impure impure humans, right? The Ubermensch, the superhuman, the master race. And then, of course, if you know the story, you'll know that to promote economic success throughout Germany, the Jews were blamed for having stolen the economy, so they began to eradicate them one by one. In fact, historically speaking, folks, Molech, is especially interested in Jewish children. He killed thousands in the ancient times. And in Germany and Europe, his spirit inspired the killing of millions, half a million being the unborn. So here's the question we've asked it every week. Has Moloch returned? Man, that's not a hard question to answer, is it? I got to stop here just for a second. I have to stop. Listen, and I was going to say this to the end, but I don't want to lose you. I know there are some women in here who've had abortions. I hope you know that this is not a message of shame. This is a message to remind you of the forgiving power of Jesus Christ. Okay? The purpose purpose of this message is to not somehow tell you that you're bad and you're worse than anybody else. You're not. You're not. But the purpose is to make us aware of what's going on in culture and to love you and to help you realize Jesus came to set the captives free and I don't want you to be captive anymore, okay? Now, in the late 1960s, there were a handful of American states that opened the door to Molech by legalizing the killing of unborn children. On January 22nd, 1973, to be exact, the Supreme Court legalized abortion. The stats today are mind-boggling, really. Now, I wanna give you some, I don't know how much you read about this. And by the way, remember, don't put me in a political forum. This is a biblical sermon, not a political one, okay? 64 million babies we've eradicated. I think it's what, 48 million that have died in wars? We've already passed that. 86% of all abortions have been performed on unmarried young women. And here's the stat that most of you are not familiar with. 0.5% are victims of rape. Less than one percentage, half of one percentage point. Because everybody will always say, well, what about rape? We're talking about 99.5% of abortions here. 92% of women who have an abortion, give these reasons, and you can research all this for yourself, inconvenience. It interferes with my educational plans. It interferes with my career. I'm not ready for a child. I can't afford a child. I'm not mature enough for a child. Maybe you weren't mature enough to have sex. There's a way to prevent abortion. The most frequently given answer that leads a mother to kill her unborn child today is that if the child lived, it would hamper the mother's life her time, energy, educational, or career prospects, her future earning capacities. The child will be a burden to her aspirations. Without the child, she would be in a better position to achieve her goals and attain success and prosperity. And I find it uncanny that in the ancient world, mothers sacrificed their children to Molech because they believed that in doing so, they were invoking prosperity and gain. During the sacrifice of children to Molech, there would be this loud, strange music played so that the villagers could not hear the screams of the children or the mothers. The Greek philosopher Plutarch writes this, and the whole area before the statue was filled with a loud noise of flutes and drums so that the cries of the wailing should not reach the ears of the people. Today, the horror of putting a baby to death, at least before YouTube, all the disturbing sights and sounds and details are hidden from public view. Somebody forced me to watch a documentary and I hate watching these because I know where they're going to go. But I watched anyway. And there's a doctor showing his interns how to perform an abortion on a late stage child. And he he goes in with the clamps and whatever he's going to do. And the baby jumps and he looks at the interns and says, that's okay. They always do that. (laughs) Who's they, by the way? And now abortion is seen as something sacred in our culture. Did you know that? Talk about a demonic inversion. Let me read you some quotes. Our culture needs new rituals as well as laws to restore abortion to its sacred dimension. Abortion is a major blessing and a sacrament in the hands of women. It is not immoral to choose abortion. It's simply another kind of morality, a pagan one. Abortion is a sacred act. I actually agree with that. Sacred means connected to the God or gods for religious purposes. Abortion is an offering to the dark gods and goddesses empowered by the dark forces of Ephesians 6. The paganization of America has unleashed the gods of the dark trinity. Jonathan Kahn, I refer to him a lot. I go back to referring you again to his book. He says, The spirit of Baal has caused America to believe that departing from God would bring it freedom. The spirit of Ishtar, it should be of Ishtar, had convinced had convinced it that if it abandoned its moral safeguards for instant gratification and sexual abandon, it would find fulfillment. And the spirit of Molech had promised to grant it the blessings of an unhindered life if it would only allow him to take away the children. But what, what was the result in ancient civilization of child sacrifice? So let me tell you, brokenness, emptiness, depression, death, in some cases mental illness has been linked to child sacrifice, and of course, you can understand why, the destruction of the family, ultimately the destruction of society, and now America is reaping the consequences of its own bloodshed. 64 million murdered children far exceeds anything that Moloch accomplished in the ancient world. Pray, man, pray, man, pray. And then second, we Christians need to start being more consistent and living the way that we say is right because 7 out of 10 women who've had abortions identify as Christ followers. Remember what I said last week? If I'm walking this way and I say, follow me, and you go the other way, you're not following me. If Jesus says, sex is between a man and a woman in the context of marriage, follow me, and you go the other way, you're not following Jesus. So if you're living together right now and you're not married, just be honest, you're not following Jesus. Bel, Istar, and Molech. They are the gods who have returned to destroy the West. (laughs) But Ishtar is the god or goddess that ushers in the end. I want you to stay with me here. Here's why Ishtar is so damaging. God ordained marriage in the family. He ordered the family to teach and to guide the children of the next generation the existence of God, the purpose of creation. Ishtar, more than any other god or goddess, desires to destroy the family, to destroy society, and to wound the heart of God. And the demonic forces exist, Jesus told us, to still kill, and destroy. So Ishtar not only destroys the sanctity of sex, marriage, and the family. We learned last week that Ishtar desires to change a man's desire for a woman to a man, and a woman's desire for men toward a woman. Now, here's the question. So far, I've only told you what I know in the ancient world. I want to tell you this is now a speculation. This is my speculation, okay? I guess the number one way to destroy society would be to destroy procreation. <laughs> right? Yes. Well, unless sex is between a man and a woman, it's going to be hard to procreate. And I think one of the temptations, one of the avenues through which Ishtar works to ultimately destroy humanity is to celebrate the methods that break down what is sacred. What, remember what we said, what gets celebrated gets repeated. <laughs> and now think about this. Here we go. Now think about this. In the ancient Middle East, Ishtar was especially known as the goddess of parades or parades and processions. The ancient hymn, The Holy One, begins, The people of Sumer parade before you. They play the sweet Allah drums before you. So you know that Ishtar has returned to culture to destroy the sanctity of marriage and the family when her parades return and are applauded. Because her parades became a central part in Mesopotamia and the Middle Eastern popular culture. You you with me? This is where it gets hard. Come on now, let's go. Five months after Stonewall, and if you missed last week, Sorry. If you missed last week, go back, watch it tonight, and it'll all make sense. But five months after Stonewall, remember what we said about Stonewall. In New York City, the gateway into America, the Stonewall riots, look it up, had become a haven for all that is Ishtar. Male prostitutes, female prostitutes, sex workers, street hustlers, homosexuality, lesbianism. It became a place of celebration of what had previously been uncelebrated. Five months after the Stonewall riots, gay and lesbian activists met in Philadelphia and planned a march to commemorate the Stonewall Uprising. Let me give you a few facts about it, about the march. It would be repeated every year the last Sunday in June. Three other marches were planned in San Francisco, Chicago, and Los Angeles. There were to be protest marches as well as parades at the same time. And the plan was that with each passing year, more and more parades And more and more cities would occur and would evolve into what we know today as the gay pride parades and finally pride parades. The similarities, and this is where I had to cut, cut, cut because of time, but the similarities between the pride parades and the ancient parade of Ishtar are uncanny. Just to name a few, the parades began at the entryway leading into ancient Babylon, the gate of Ishtar. The pride parades began in New York City, the modern Babylon at the gate into America, the gateway, New York City. The ancient parades began at the city wall. The pride parades began at Stonewall. The gate of the goddess was made up of two brick-covered archways, a smaller and greater. The Stonewall Inn, likewise, possessed two brick-covered archways, a smaller and a greater. And then the gate of Ishtar was famous for its depictions of lions, another symbol of the goddess. The processions and parades birthed at Stonewall began under the lion's head at Lion's Head Pub. It's amazing.
1: You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll bring you the rest of this message from Pastor Jeff.
0: The movement continues to expand and to celebrate the turning of men away from women and the turning of women away from men. And June, throughout the West, in our modern world, celebrates Ishtar, whether it knows it or not. Her festivals, her evil practices, sexual immorality and gender confusion.
1: You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines" wherever you get your podcasts. You make me want to dance and sing With every single breath I breathe I will break this offering You are my wonder You make the wonder Today Today Today